0: Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911.
1: Good morning, everybody. Jesus 911, Ruben Nava. I am a one man car, a king car today. My partner is in the uh, Aloha state. He's out in Hawaii. He's doing some preaching, some power preaching, uh, but that's probably, <laughs> I'm not going to feel too bad for him because, uh, you know, that's, th- 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 they've got the, the best, some of the best beaches out there and uh, got a little bit jealous, Jesse. So anyway, keep up the good work and um, we'll be praying for you. And today we have a good show. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, if not my favorite subject in all of um, in all of, uh, you know, our faith. He's talking about my mother talking about our blessed mother uh whose feast day in the old in the old calendar that we celebrated yesterday the the immaculate heart of mary so we'll ta- be talking about that and how the where the origins began and so what some some of the saints have said about it and how you know just just how it it it, it grew to the devotion we have today and then what happened um, with the uh, Pope Paul VI changed it to a different date in June we'll talk about that and uh yeah and then we'll uh w- we'll talk about this past Sunday's um the mass readings for in the uh, in the extraordinary rite and uh, there's a good article by Father Z on that so um it's well, hopefully it's it's going to be a power pack show and um so just want to welcome you to to our show if uh you know you're listening for the first first time uh typically well we we have on the show jesse myself and uh paul clay and um we're all retired la county sheriff's sheriff's uh, deputies that's where i met jesse uh back in uh, the early 90s and uh you know we were much thinner then and <laughs> uh had more hair and it, it was, uh, it was a blast to have, uh, worked with him and, and, and seen him and in his, uh, in his prime. But, uh, you know, I knew back then that, uh, that he, there was something special about him, about, uh, you know, what he, he had, a, he had a calling and, uh, he was talking to a lot of people, a lot of people about the faith and I was one of them. Um, but, uh you know, when I talk to people about the faith, one of the first things I talk about is our mother, our blessed mother, because, uh, you know, rather than see it as a division, I just see it as just showing them things they didn't know. And then I think if they did know the things about her, there's no way they would have that aversion to her or uh, or, or <clears throat> think that we worship her. Because um, they're the ones who are missing out, those who do not uh you know refer to her as the blessed mother you know and the gospel of luke says all generations shall call me blessed and uh, why are we the only ones that do that you know um yeah i know there's some some higher uh, protestant groups like uh some lutherans and anglicans and and um you know orthodox brothers but for the most part you know the fundamentalists um they, uh they have an a uh, aversion to her and it's it I'd like to think in the Hispanic community because we are so uh, so t- in tune with our mothers, you know, and uh, m- m- many in the Hispanic community have a one man are le- are being led by the mother spiritually, um, and a lot of absent fathers. So, you know, our mothers are are really important to us, and and I've told the story myself. My mother has was the one who prayed me into back into the church I, ne- well, I never left the church i shouldn't say it that way but uh just you know to to help me um get redirected to come back to to become an, a devout catholic and uh, it was her many rosaries i i'm convinced of that and uh her example was amazing for all of us children so what is the what is the the uh, the Immaculate Heart of Mary what's that all about you know it, it's it's a it's a catholic devotion and it, the name used to refer to the catholic uh, view of the interior life of mary mother of jesus her joys her sorrows her virtues and hidden perfections and above all her virgin love of god the father her maternal love for her son jesus christ and her motherly and compassionate love for all mankind traditionally the immaculate heart is depicted um, with pierced with with seven swords or wounds in homage to her seven dolores or you know seven sorrows and of Mary and roses usually two red and white wrapped around the heart. Uh, occasionally, I'll see the uh, lilies on top for her virginal purity. Um, the veneration of the uh, heart of Mary is an analogous to the veneration of the Sacred Heart of Jesus because you can't have one without the other. You you know they're inseparable. The son and the mother are inseparable. So there are, however, differences in the analogy um, as the devotion to the heart of Jesus is especially directed to the divine heart as overflowing with love for humanity. In the devotion to Mary, the attraction is the love of her heart for Jesus and for God. And the aim of the devotion is to unite humankind to, to God through Mary's heart. And this process involves the ideas of consecration and reparation. A little history on on the, on the this. Uh, in chapter 2, in scriptural history, I guess scriptural basis, in Luke's gospel, the evangelist, he twice reports that Mary kept all things in her heart and that there she might ponder over them. That was uh, Luke 2.35. And it recounts the prophecy of Simeon that her heart would be pierced with a sword, one of her seven sorrows. This image, the pierced heart, is, is the most uh, popular representation of the Immaculate Heart. And in John's gospel, um, further invited attention to Mary's heart with its depiction of Mary at the foot of uh, the cross at Jesus's crucifixion. And, you know, St. Augustine of Hippo, he said that Mary was not merely passive at the foot of the cross. He says she, quote, quote, she cooperated through charity in the work of our redemption, end quote. So St. Augustine says that she was more blessed in having born Christ in her heart than having conceived him in the flesh pretty powerful she she, so you know obviously there's only one kid that can conceive him in the flesh but we can also but we can conceive him in our hearts just like mary did and we try to imitate her um some of the various saints that have a, a devotion uh to her heart was in the middle ages it was saint anselm of canterbury and saint bernard of clairvaux um it was practiced and developed by Saints Mikilde, Gertrude the Great, and the, and Bridget of Sweden. Evidence is also discernible in the pious meditations on the Ave Maria and the Salva Regina, used attributed usually attributed to either St. Anselm of Lucca or St. Bernard. And then there was St. Bernardine of uh, Siena in 1444, is sometimes called Doctor of the Heart of Mary. And from him, the Church has borrowed the lessons of the second nocturne for the feast of the heart of Mary. And Francis de Sales speaks of the of the perfection of his heart, of this heart, the model of love for God and dedicated to his Theotimus, which is Greek for honoring God. <clears throat> um, but it was it was St. John Eudes, 1681, who propagated the devotion to make it public and to have a feast celebrated in honor of the heart of Mary. First at Antoun in 1648 and afterwards in a number of French dioceses, he established several uh, religious societies interested in upholding and promoting the devotion, of which his large book, uh, uh, in, it's in French here, but it, it basically is, it's called The Admirable Heart, published in 1681, resembles a summary of St. John Hughes' efforts to secure the approval of an, of an office and a feast Failed at Rome. So he was trying to get it and it, was, it, it just didn't fly. The, the, Rome did not buy it. But notwithstanding this disappointment, the devotion to the Heart of Mary progressed. St. John Eudes began his devotional teachings with the Heart of Mary and then extended to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. However, it was only in 1805 that Pope Pius VII allowed a feast to honor the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So, the two factors that, that helped r- the rapid progress of the devotion uh, were the introduction of the miraculous medal by Catherine Laboure, St. Catherine Laboure, in 1830, and the establishment at Notre Dame des Victores, Paris, of the Archfraconfraternity of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, Refuge of Sinners. More than four million uh, miraculous medals were distributed throughout the world within four years, and in 1838, Des Gentes, the pastor of Notre Dame des Victores uh, organized the association in honor of the Holy and Immaculate Heart of Mary, which Pope Gregory XVI made a confraternity the same year. And in 1855, the Congregation of Rights approved the the office and mass for the Immaculate Heart. And in 1849, St. Anthony Marie Mary Claret founded the congregation of the missionary s- sons of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, commonly called the Claritians. Uh, then, as early as 1643, St. John Hughes, um well, his followers observed uh, February 8th as the Feast of the Heart of Mary. And in 1799, Pius VI, then in captivity in Florence, granted the Bishop of Palermo the Feast of the Most Pure Heart of Mary for some of the churches in his diocese. And in 1805, Pope Pius VII made the new concession, thanks to which the feast was soon widely observed. Um, July 21st, 1855, the Congregation of Rights finally approved the office and mass of the Most Pure Heart of Mary without, however, imposing them upon the Church. And then, in more recent times, Pope Pius XII instituted the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary in 1944 to be celebrated on the 22nd of August, coinciding with the traditional octave of the Assumption, which is, of we know is a Holy Day of Obligation on the 15th of August, in 1969 Pope Paul VI He moved the celebration So we'll talk We'll pick it up right there where Pope Paul the VI moves the celebration In the new calendar So we'll be right back To Jesus 911 we talk about the Mac and Heart of Mary We'll change that dial Be right back
0: now back to jesus 911 if this call is not an emergency dial 888 526 2151
1: jesus 911 basically jesus help we're in some deep you know what and uh, we 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 need her we need our blessed mother and we need our our lord to uh, to rescue us and um, he did send us his mother for this very reason and uh i think more than ever we we need to call upon her and uh go back to the you know the all the uh devotions we have to to her especially the first uh Saturdays devotion uh so we were talking about uh the dates of of when the feast was uh, um set up and um and then what what date it was and so it was by it was the, Pius the 12th on the 22nd uh, of August. and um, But then with the new Mass and the new calendar, uh, Pope uh, Paul VI moved the celebration of the Immaculate Heart of Mary to, to the Saturday immediately after the solemnity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. So this means in practice that is now held on the third Saturday of Pentecost. Um, at the same time, he closed... Closely associated with the celebrations of the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And Pope Paul VI moved the celebration of the Queenship of Mary from the 31st uh, um, of May to August 22nd. So so now in the new calendar, the 22nd is the Queenship of Mary. Uh, bringing it into association with the Feast of Her Assumption. So those who used the 1962 edition of the Roman Missal or an earlier one, but not more than 17 years before, 1962, observed the day established by Pius Twelfth. Yeah, because remember, if you go too far back, then uh, he instituted it in 1944, so you'll go right past that date. And as we know, the month of August, uh, we say it here all the time, is, is traditionally dedicated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Uh, so, you know, the alliance of the two hearts of Jesus and Mary is a phrase, it was coined by Uh, Pope John Paul II, if you remember, in an Angelus address in September um, 15th, 1985. And it's based on links in Catholic devotions to the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And, um, so, they are definitely linked. And, uh, in case of this, in in the case of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, the emphasis is on God's love and mercy. In fact, that love and mercy is so intense that the symbol of the Sacred Heart is a human heart encircled with a crown of thorns, with a cross and radiating flames. This is how much Christ loves us. Marian devotion flows from Mary's privileged status not only as the Mother of God, but also as the first fruit of the grace poured out by Jesus. Sacrifice on the cross. She's the model Christian. She was the first Christian. Devotion to her Immaculate Heart not only calls upon her help, but provides a model for what our own hearts should look like. Nothing different. I mean, we've got to uh, we've got to get deeper, and just as our Mother did, uh, our Blessed Mother did. And there's a, there's a lot of countries that have consecrated um, their country to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Um, in uh, Portugal, it was consecrated in 1938. 1947 was uh, was Ottawa, the Archdiocese of Ottawa, consecrated Canada to her Immaculate Heart. Um, 1948, England and Wales were uh, consecrated to her. And um, also again in, in Westminster Cathedral in 2017. And um, 1959... Patrick O'Boyle of Washington DC consecrated the United States to the, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. The Philippines were consecrated in, in June of 2013. Ireland, August of 2013, Nigeria, October 2017. We also have Lithuania in twenty eighteen, Netherlands, twenty seventeen, Japan, nineteen forty seven. That makes sense, right? Japan was a they had a, a, a a, the uh, Nagasaki was a huge Catholic, um, you know, a, a Catholic d- d- place, a city, and uh, where it was bombed by the, uh, by the atomic bomb during World War II. Australia, 1948. Uh, Italy. Um, it's kind of uh, strange that, it, that it, was, it wasn't until 1959 that Italy was consecrated to the Immaculate heart. Lebanon, the countries of the Middle East, June of 2013 you've got Cameroon and in in 20 this year, Cameroon and Samoa in 20, in 2007. And then of course, um, the Ukraine in 2016, Russia and countries of central Asia, May of 2017. And then there's several dioceses across the nation that have consecrated themselves to, uh, the immaculate heart of Mary. So that's good. You can't go wrong by, by doing something like that. And, um, you know, when we talk about Our Lady, her whole life and her heart, her immaculate heart represents her life, her, her love, herself. From the moment of conception, Mary offered acts of faith, hope, love, praise, and adoration and thanksgiving to God who created her. So her one ambition was union with God, her desire to do His will. The light of grace found no obstacle in her pure a uh, soul, her immaculate heart was was uh, the throne of all virtue. Um, she was full of grace, saint, uh, as Saint uh, as Saint Jerome sa- says it. He translates the uh, the Latin. He translated it into Latin as the full of grace, gracia plena. Devotion to the immaculate heart of Mary is the complement of the devotion to the Sacred Heart, and the one we honor, Christ, the Redeemer, and the other Mary, the Co Redemptress, and this is. A stumbling block for our uh, Protestant brothers, calling her the co-redemptress. Um, it doesn't take away from Jesus, I, I I promise you. Thus we honor Christ's mother with the feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So Mary must have been in awe. You know, think about it. She heard the angel Gabriel describe the child to be wondrously uh, conceived in her. Um, He's to be named Jesus, and it's Luke um, 131, meaning the Lord saves And this child whom Mary is asked to bear would would, uh, be promised the promised heir of Israel's greatest king, David. Uh, The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom. There will be no end. Luke 1, 32 and 33. So in these few moments, uh, Mary's future has been unveiled for her. God has amazingly asked her to be the mother of Israel's Messiah. Could you imagine that? The uh, Jewish mothers were always praying that their daughter would be that, that, uh, that woman of uh, Genesis 3.15. And, uh, you know, and then when the day came, could you, you can't even fathom that you're going to be give birth to the Messiah. St. Bernard of Clairvaux eloquently captures the sense of the anticipation as, as Gabriel waited Mary's response in his homilies in praise of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Quote, say the word and receive the word. Give yours and conceive God's. Breathe one fleeting word and embrace the everlasting word. Blessed Virgin, open your heart to faith, your lips to consent, and your womb to your creator. Behold, the long desired of all nations is standing at the door and knocking. That's from his uh, book, Homilies, uh, chapters, chapter uh, 4, verse uh, 8. or, or page, Yeah. Although she understands little of what this would mean for her, Mary gives her wholehearted and unreserved assent. And as we all know, she said, "Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be, let it be to me, or let it be done to me according to your word." Luke one thirty eight. So, but her consent is not cheap. It's not ill conceived. It's not ill considered. Um, she was a young woman of Israel, steeped in knowledge of the prophetic promises. God had made to his people and uh, full of eager longing to see them fulfilled. She held God's word and his promises in reverence and based on her life on them. So though she's bewildered and unsure of the implications of the angel's message, her yes to God rises out of faith in him and his wisdom and goodness. She takes God at his word and trusts him totally to fulfill it in her and to care for her as she gives herself over to him she has an unerring conviction that god will honor and meet her consent with grace help and protection supplying her with all that she needs to carry it out so you know sometimes you know there's bad translations in in some of these gospel um and it says some people will, will or some translations will say how can this be you know when she tells the angel uh to ask, tells her that she's going to be the mother of God how could this be you know it wasn't it wasn't it should it should be rather how shall this be so she she's not questioning it she's just saying you know she's trying to figure out how it's going to come about because she hasn't been with a man so uh don't get confused when when some of our our separate brother try to say look she she she's questioning it and that's not it at all so Mary's fiat Her one-time consent, um, it will be repeated over and over in the days and the years ahead. It initially opens her to be the recipient of of the Word, making its home in her, uh, as you know, well, the Word made flesh. Mary will literally bear the Word of God in the flesh, then she will be borne up by it. Her steady, steady pondering of the Word and her constant affirmation of it repeatedly ascending to God's promises and purposes will carry her forward to in, in unwavering faith and obedience. So, Mary, think about this. Mary must have been in awe. She heard the Gabriel describe the child to be wondrously conceived in her. And uh, you know, she, God was so pleased with His masterpiece uh, of creation of Mary. He willed it to be. He willed to be born of her pure flesh and blood. Could you imagine your God? You know. You could choose your own mother, and uh, so 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 Jesus chose his own mother Mary, of all the women of the earth that were past and present, future. He scanned the eons, and he just this is the one. I, this is the one for me. And um, so he's going to make her perfect. You know, God is perfect, so he's going to make her perfect to. So that uh, because nothing imperfect and unclean can can, God can't have anything to do with something that is impure and unclean. So, um. So her she was pure, you know, flesh and blood. Her giving her consent, Mary became the channel through which Christ came to men, and this channel is the surest way to lead us back to God. So, God comes to us through Mary, and He wants us to go back to her through. Mary through mary so it was mary's love for man joined with and flowing from her love of god that made her utter her fiat that that fiat m- meant consent to the incarnation of the redemption so also the salvation of the world depends on mary so i'm 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 drawing a blank on, on what st wrote this but he was saying the angels were up there in heaven saying say yes mary say yes please say yes you know And uh, and she did. Of course, among uh, Our Lady's urgent requests at Fatima was the plea for devotion and consecration to her Immaculate Heart. So our devotion to Mary is neither complete nor true unless we are willing to give ourselves over to the object of our love. True devotion culminates in dedication or consecration. And so we'll pick it up from there. Uh, Good stuff. Mary, uh, we love you. We honor you.
0: Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151.
1: If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And... uh, you can't go wrong by staying close to the blessed mother and uh, she will always lead you to her son. Okay. So, um, and we're talking about the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary for just joining us. And, um, and you know, where it, uh, it came from, uh, its origins, history, and, uh, we're kind of just kind of giving some reflections on it now. And, uh, we were just, I was just at the point of, when we're talking about consecration so if you've ever done a consecration to Our Lady, um, boy, uh, boy, oh boy! I think uh, you earn for a treat. And um, I've done it twice, and uh, the Saint Louis de Montfort uh, thirty-three day, day devotion, and um, that was uh, that was it, it, it. Just you just give everything to her, all your prayers, all your works, everything goes through through Mary because she will. Package it up really nice and, and beautiful um, and give it to her son. So, you know, us guys, you know, we're, we're not the best um, Christmas wrappers. Let's just face it, you know. So a lot of times we take it to these, to them, say, Macy's or Nordstrom's and we have the, have them wrap up a gift for us and it looks really nice and pretty. That's kind of what Our Lady does to with our works, our joys, our sufferings, and, and and she gives them to to Jesus, all all dressed up. So, thank you, thank you, Mary. And uh, yeah, I was reminded on the chat uh, uh, the that uh, we are the MMA um, Mother Mary's Army. So keep that in mind. Um, anyway, the consecration consists in an act which we promise Our Lady not only, not only everything we possess but our very selves as well and this not for a time but forever Uh, and uh, it's a state whereby we recognize God's sovereign dominion and by acknowledging Christ as our king and our lady as our queen pledging them complete service and devotion Um, so consecration it's uh, it means it it, it's more than a well-written prayer okay let's put it that way it's recited and forgotten. It must be vital. It's, it's a living state in which we recognize the importance of habitually. That means over and over again, habitually belonging to our lady to be fruitful. It must inspire imitation. People are going to want to see what do you, what do you have that, that, that they want, you know, and, uh, Hey, I'm, I'm consecrated to our lady. And, So we must try to reshape our lives according to Our Lady's setting up whole new patterns, um, studied at her feet, learned from the rosary mysteries, and modeled after her own immaculate heart. And and to consecrate means to remove from the profane and set apart as sacred, renouncing self-love, doing it all in union with and for our Heavenly Queen, removing sin and all obstacles to perfect union Of heart with hers. If we do this, Mary will teach us all virtue and the way that will lead us to God. If men become slaves to an art which ends with death, should we not become slaves to Mary? The music of whose heart will sing out for all eternity? Uh, Love will prompt this total submission. Uh, So you can't you can't continue sinning when you're you're trying to get close to Mary. She's going to help you with your with purity and help you with with uh, the stumbling blocks that you that you're going through in life. So love will prompt this total submission, solid love of the will, ending in imitation and surrender. Our love for Mary must be so intense that we chain our hearts to hers by golden links of love. Mary will then govern our thoughts, words, deeds. Our life will have but one purpose: God's glory. Our hearts will yearn only for her interests and her honor, which is God's honor, too. All her intentions and dispositions will become ours. Her humility will replace our pride. Uh, I I know myself, you know, we all have pride. Uh, Her purity will efface our impurity. Her selflessness wipe out our self-love. And all her virtues replace our sins. That's a great trade-off, don't you think? I mean, who wouldn't want that? From her, we will learn the meaning of prayer, mortification, and penance. Resting close to her immaculate heart, our own cold fears will become enkindled with the divine fire and grow blaze with her burning love. So our lives then thus surrendered uh, to her can become like that of the angels. One continual song of praise, our hearts annihilated and lost within the sanctuary of her Immaculate Heart will be able to sing truly, quote, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So amazing. Um, so the, on the feast, you know, we, we give her hyperdulia. That's uh, super praise, a unique praise for that only she receives because of her merits and because of the great things that God has done in her. He's given her everything. He has, uh, he's given her everything that he has, that she can bear, um, including his kingdom. Christ the king gave to her his kingdom to rule with him. The servants of the Christ the king are her servants as well. The angels and the saints obey her every request and are eager to serve such an august queen. these, These are some really good reflections on 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 her, we marvel that she has been entrusted with this role, which is primarily a work of medi- mediating God's grace to men as the co-redemptress and the mediatrix of all graces. All the graces flow through her. Christ, the head, um, she's the neck, and so everything flows through Mary. She distributes His graces to us. All graces really do pass through her virginal hands. As we think of her as queen in heaven, we are reminded, too, that she should be queen over all the earth as well, just as Christ should be king and king over all the earth. And so we also pray that the reign of Mary will come on the earth. It will be, um, It is the will of Jesus himself that the Immaculate Heart of Mary be honored throughout the world. It's not a, it's not a matter if, but when. We have no doubt that it will happen. Remember, she said at Fatima, "In the end, my immaculate heart will triumph." Okay, so we're not making this up. She said it herself. Okay, um, she she so we have her word on it. Her immaculate heart will triumph. The reign of Mary will surely come on the earth after this chastisement that we are currently in, as has reached its when it reaches its end, uh, and men can no longer offend Jesus, and whose justice is satisfied by our penance suffice to say that her triumph will be a global social geopolitical triumph that will establish her reign truly on the earth the piece of uh that Our Lady of fatima speaks about is a piece that comes from the fact that that all will profess the true faith now this is some saints have talked about this but sister Lucia says it this way she heard a little Lu, sister Lucia from one of the the visionaries at Fatima, she heard a locution right before she wrote the, the text of the third secret. Just, she said, Quote, After I felt my racing heart in my spirit, a soft voice said, In time, one faith, one baptism, one church, holy, Catholic, apostolic, in eternity, heaven. So after this chastisement, that was that was the end of the quote. After this chastisement has reached its full measure and its conditional. Subject to our penance and repentance, the world will become Catholic. And the world will honor her as the Queen of Heaven and praise and honor and esteem. Hyperdulia, again, her Immaculate Heart. O oh, Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to Thee. And uh, and just a prayer, and we'll, we'll end this, this segment on uh, with this prayer to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Ghost, amen. Immaculate heart of Mary, my mother, I come to you in childlike prayer. I earnestly desire that all the people of the world may be brought back to the humble knowledge and love of the sacred heart of your dear son. I pray, dear mother of my God, that the wonderful beauty and purity of your own immaculate heart may so win our hearts that we may detest all sin and dedicate our lives to the honor and glory of the God who created us. You revealed the secrets of your own sad heart at Fatima, and begged for penance, prayer, and conversion of the world to God. What more can I do than unite my heart to yours in this great yearning? What can I add but the fervent prayer that all the world may listen to your pleading? I give my heart to you, my heavenly queen, and in confidence I leave to you what is best for me in answer to my prayer for love and reparation. Immaculate heart of the mother of my God, I implore through your powerful intercession. The conversion of the hearts of men, complete victory over sin, and the return of the peace which you have promised, Amen. In omnipotere, fili spiritu sancti, Amen. Uh, I thought that was a beautiful prayer, so I wanted to include that. And uh, so, yeah. Just in conclusion, uh, with with our our Mother. Remember, if you're not praying her Rosary. You're not on the team. That's the minimum you could do. Uh, Okay, so uh, moving on to this past Sunday's gospel, um, and this is in the extraordinary form. And uh, Father Z in One Peter Five, he wrote a good article, and um, and it was it's in the the extraordinary right. You know, it was the um, or I should say the traditional right. The 11th Sunday after Pentecost, it concerns the miraculous healing of the man's deafness and inability to talk. And um, St. Gregory of Nanzienza in 390 says that half of all vices may be charged to the account of the tongue. It would be better for persons to have no tongue and to be unable to talk from their birth, for then they would be miserable only for this life. Whereas owing to the sins of their tongue... They plunge themselves into internal damnation. Talk not inconsiderately, but bear in mind that you have to give an account of every idle word you speak. And uh, boy, that's that is so true. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of it, you know, stub my toe. I mean I, I, I don't even want to tell you what comes out sometimes and I, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say and uh, ashamed. Um, so how many sins could be avoid if we just would bridle our tongues? Or rather sheath them and uh okay we, we'll pick this up on the other side of the break we'll be talking about the gospel message for this past sunday the 11th week after pentecost okay be right back i'll change that dial
0: Now, back to Jesus nine one one. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151.
1: Jesus nine one one. We are back. One man car. Jesse, if uh, you didn't hear at the beginning, he's out uh, preaching in Hawaii. So uh, I'm not going to feel too too bad for him out there. He's he's enjoyed himself. Probably have a, a cold beverage after his talk and sit in and bask in the sun. And uh, so I think that's, that'd be good for him because of all the uh, medical um, problems he was going through. So he'd be able to enjoy himself, him and uh, Anita. So we're talking about um, this. uh, It was an article by father Z in uh, one Peter five. And and he was just talking about this, the Sunday readings um, at mass and, 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 and it had to do with bridling your tongue. And in his article, he quotes a uh, um, a 17th century Protestant preacher named Thomas Brooks. Uh, he said, Our tongues can be likened to three fatal weapons, a razor, a sword, and an arrow. The tongue slashes reputations, wounds deeply, and can strike from afar. By our speech, we reveal our inner selves to others. So Brooks says this, Quote, when the pump goes, you may quickly know whether the water that is in the fountain or well be clear or muddy, sweet or stinking. And when the clapper strikes, you may soon guess of what metal the bell is made of. And so by men's tongues, you may easily guess what is in their hearts. This is pretty deep. If the tongue be vile, the heart is so. If the tongue be bloody, the heart is so. If the tongue be adulterous, the is the heart is so. If the tongue be malicious, the heart is so. If the tongue be covetous, the heart is so. And if the tongue be cruel, the heart is so. And men's minds are made known by their mouths. If the mouth be bad, the mind is not good. He that is rotten in his talk is commonly rotten in the heart. Of all the members of the body, there is none so serviceable to Satan as an evil tongue, wow, that was good. With that in mind, you know Saint Francis de Sales wrote, "I wish I had buttons on both on both hands, which I should be obliged to unfasten when I had an occasion to write, for I should then gain more time to reflect and to consider." And so, on Sunday's uh, message here, so he even as he warns against assuming conscious organization of the themes of Sundays of ordered times after Pentecost. Um, The great, you know what, I'm going to skip this part because uh, of time. But um, the gospel is from Mark 7. It gives us context. At that time, Jesus then returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee through the region of the Decapolis. Jesus had gone in Mark 6 into Gentile territory and fed the 5,000, which by the symbolic numbers involved the food left over and recalled the pagan tribes that had been in the promised land when Moses and, and people arrived and foretold the ingathering of all non-Hebrews in himself. Christ then crossed the sea back to Gennesaret, walking part of the way, and was immediately called on to heal people everywhere he went, people trying to touch the hem of his garment in the region of Tyre and Sidon is the encounter with the Syrophoenician woman. At the end of Mark 7 is our paracote for Sunday, healing of a deaf man with a speech impediment. And then in this passage, if you remember, the the Aramaic word ephetha, translated into Greek, uh, means to be opened. Epheta, I, I'm I'm not sure I'm not pronouncing it right. But the, the presence of this word gives, immediate, gives authenticity that the miracle was, was witnessed. Even though Christ does something a little different in this miraculous healing, people brought the deaf man to Jesus for him to lay hands on him and to heal him. Instead, Christ took him apart from the multitude privately, right? Since we have the description of what happened, the apostles were surely with him, at least Peter, who was Mark's mentor, so Christ did this. He put his fingers in his ears and spat and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Epheta, that is, be open. And his ears were open. His tongue was released and he spoke plainly. So at this point, Christ told people not to talk about this healing, but the more they were asked, the more they talked about it, right? And that's, that's true. I mean, what do we do? Hey, he, between you and I, right. Have you ever done that between you and I? And what are your, you tell your friends something. And then next thing I know, it's, it's all getting around, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, in this Hispanic community, we call that a chismoso. or <laughs> so that is, that is so that's just, that's funny. That's, that's what we do. Unfortunately, um, so people knew that their people knew their scripture in Isaiah 35. The prophet wrote of of a new Exodus and the coming of God, not just Moses. Then the he says there, Saint Isaiah says that then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a hart and the tongue of the dumb sing for joy. So we could drill down onto this and uh, and Father Z does and he says. When Jesus took the man apart privately, he put his fingers in the man's unhearing ears and spitting touched the man's unspeaking tongue. He looked up to heaven and sighed and said, "Ephata." He didn't talk to the Father or pray with words. He sighed, a deep sigh, "Stenazo," which means to groan, which suggests the deep compassion with which the Eternal Word held the man, with all who all his life had been cut off without words from his fellow men, that Christ was especially moved by this man's plight. He suggested in their going apart and the speechless sigh, which said it all, a quiet uttering of the Spirit. So Jesus didn't uh, command the ears and mouth to be opened. He commanded the man to be opened. As a result, his ears were opened. His tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Pope Benedict XVI, um, father, points out about his healing in the twenty. 20- about this healing in the 2012 angelus for Benedict Christ opened the whole person of the deaf and mute man. The word became man so that man made inwardly deaf and dumb by sin would become able to hear the voice of God, the voice of love speaking to his heart and learn to speak in the language of love to communicate with God and with others. And that's what we're, that's what we're given these, you know, these senses for. So, and you also hear that that term epheta in the moment in the traditional rite of baptism and the opening of the entire person to all that God desires to give, saving grace, theological virtues, membership in Christ's mystical person, eternal life. Traditionally, the priest takes a little of his own saliva, which for good reason can be omitted, and touches both ears and nostrils uh, of the one to be baptized and says epheta, that is be open for an order of sweetness. But thou devil... Be gone, for the judgment of God, God has come. We see again the constant connection of illness with demonic oppression. Most of the healings worked by the Lord mentioned, also the driving out of demons. So um, Benedict said that thus sums up the whole message and the whole work of Christ. Uh, where, you ha- where were you when you hear this word um, offered solemnly in the holy rites of the church? You're either at baptism or as you will be Sunday at Holy Mass. The readings of Scripture are Christ-present to you, making the mysteries they contain present. Is there some place on earth where you ought to strive to be more open to what God wants to give than the Holy Mass? This is what Father's asking. To take part at Holy Mass with truly full conscious and active participation, consider what it is, so watch carefully, listen attentively, how much effort really goes into both of the means of active receptivity once you are opened up. You are opened by your baptism, which makes it possible for you to receive all the other good things God offers in the way of members of Christ's body, the church. But you have to make an effort with the gift you were given. Okay, you have to make an effort. Um, So... We want to make sure that we're we're open. Our tongues are loose, but not for for evil, but for for the good, because you know if you you go to scripture, uh, there's uh, a lot of things that scripture says about a backbiting tongue. Um, James one twenty six says, "If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religious is, is worthless." Ephesians four and twenty-nine says, No corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Building up, okay, building up the kingdom, building up our brothers. Um, you don't want to tear down, you want to build up. Proverbs twenty one through twenty three says, Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Well, oh, ain't that the truth, right? Yeah, I was always reminded in the academy, don't don't volunteer for nothing, you know, because you don't know, you've got to, you don't know what you ask for. You might get something that you don't want. Uh, Proverbs 15, 4 says, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverse, perverseness in, in it breaks the spirit. And James 3, 2 says, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Um, so yeah, there's verse after verse, uh, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Psalm 14 or 141 says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth, keep watch over the door of my lips. So you want to be, um, quick to hear and slow to speak, uh, slow to anger, James, uh, 119 says. So that is, that is good, uh. That is really good to, uh, to remember because with your mouth, you can really tear down. You can do so much to, uh, to hurt people with, um, just things like backbiting. Um, you got, uh, you know, lying. you know, uh, my mom say, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to kiss your mother with that mouth, you know, and just think about this, just think, because we, you know, we receive our Lord on the tongue, uh, you don't want a tongue that is going to be speaking vile and 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 a, a proud tongue or overused tongue a, a tongue that's swift to anger you know a backbiting tongue a, a, a tailbearing tongue um a cursing tongue right a piercing tongue you're going to be receiving Jesus um something he you want things that have come out of your mouth to be pure and and uh and a prayer to to him and uh and so i when i thought about it th- that way i said boy you know we all have to clean up our speech and, and just use our use our tongue use the senses that he our, our lord gave us to uplift people and build the kingdom up so uh that's it that's the sh- that's a wrap we're tenth 7 uh into watch stay tuned for hands-on apologetics with Gary Mishuda from the Midwest Command Center. If uh, you like what you hear, uh, like and and, uh, share it. I'll be back Thursday, and uh, you keep up the faith. Remember, we're in the month of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, so pray your rosary. Love you. Keep the faith. Out.